You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. We are a local congregation in Lexington, Kentucky, and we would love to see you join God's restoring work of love in your life. You can find out more about us at restorationlex.com slash welcome. There's helpful links about how you can grow, how you can serve, and be good news in our city. Thanks for listening. It's our final week of our series, Restore. We're talking about the vision for our community. If you've not been a part or not been listening, I encourage you to go back because what we're doing in this vision and value series is kind of looking at the vision and value that really is the foundation for every vision and every value, and that's discipleship, how we follow Jesus as a family. What we are trying to do is continuously and, and persistently recenter Jesus in the life of our church. We want a common pathway forward for how we share this journey together. What we've said week in and week out is this. We're pursuing a shared vision for what it means to follow Jesus together. That's something that unites us as a church, not just a, a being in the same room, not just the same sort of things that we do during the week, but that we come as a common people know what it means to follow Jesus and how we have this pathway. So we've showed this here on the screen here the past few weeks, this sort of movement of where we are, are, are shaping ourselves in as disciples of Jesus, it starts with being with Jesus and the presence of Jesus, with opening our hearts to him in the process. We talked about unlearning and relearning and repentance, our lives in light of who Jesus is. Last week, we talked about coming out of isolation and into community and building a community where we have belonging, where you can belong even before you become, and how belonging is often the way that we experience becoming in the kingdom of God. And as we have done that, we've moved outward beyond the work that God's just doing in our heart, moving into the world we've been called to inhabit. So as we finish out the series today, what I want to speak to is to how we build a culture of restoration outward, how we move what God is doing out of our hearts into the actual stories and structures of our lives in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our jobs, where we are And if you've noticed, this conversation about the mission of the church really has not been the first thing. It's been the last thing. This is where we have arrived today. That's intentional. We've spoken about this a lot. Church is not the point of church. If church is the point of church, you always get church wrong, right? Right? Yes. Jesus is the point. If we focus on church, you might get disciples, you might get Jesus, but if you focus on Jesus, you always get the church. You always get the people of God that you have been called to be. Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus introduces this idea, this word church, he does it in the context of hearing Peter's confession, and he makes what I think is a foundational statement for who we are and really for who every church should be. He says, and I tell you that you, or Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus says today, and I want you to hear this, please hear this loud and clear, Jesus makes the promise that I will build my church. Guess what? You ain't Jesus, and thank God I'm not either. Jesus promises that continuously actively, intentionally, now and forever, he is already building his church. 
And anything that we're doing here today, anything that we do in our classes, anything in community groups, DNA groups, anything that we're doing when we're serving, we're joining Jesus' work and already, already building a church that we are not initiating ourselves. That to me, I don't know about you, that to me is a relief that Jesus is already working to build his church, that we are joining what he is doing. Now, for most of my life, if I'm real honest, I lived as if it was my job as a Christian to take Jesus to places and to people where I did not believe he was present. In my assumptions of this, I saw the realm of God as being a separate reality from the world that I inhabit. You see this here kind of visualized on the screen. Sure, God loves the world, but God loves the world from a distance. But that's what the church is for. The church is this in-between space, as we see here. And our, our, since we are meeting and gathering as the people of God, and God was over here, and the world was over here, and we're the in-between, our role then is to get people into the church. As many people out of the world into the church. And on top of that, behind the curtain... The people who work for the church felt the pressure to get God into church as well. You always felt the pressure to sing the right songs, to teach the right things, to make sure the donuts had the right frosting on them, to make sure that you shook hands in the right way. The people who were in ministry were always frantically running themselves down to make sure the next week could be better than the one before. Because if not, it may not feel like God was showing up. And so the mission of God centered on this one thing. You got to get people into the church. You got to get God into the church. And finally, the people that you get from the world into the church, you got to get into heaven when they die. That was the totality of the mission. Does this sound in any way familiar to anyone in this room. Now, for a myriad of reasons, this way of understanding the church is problematic. First, I'd say it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Many people are sitting in this room today because you have been worn down by this understanding of church. You have been drained to the last drop by this understanding of church. Any amount of time in this cycle and burnout is almost inevitable. Second, if you see the majority of your life as being away from what church actually is and not what it is called to be, then, then, then everything's about heaven and everything else and the normal stuff of your life, it just becomes kind of an afterthought. Like, if everything's about getting people to heaven when they die, then we, what do we do in the in-between time? Like, just entertain you? Like, I don't know. Don't drink, cuss, chew, date girls that do. Don't, you know, vote for the right things. 
behave and be moral. I, I don't know. What do you do if everything is just about getting people into heaven when you die? What about the rest of the time here, right? And my friends, I believe that, yes, putting our faith in Jesus, we have eternal life, not just in this life, but the next. But there's a whole lot in between that, hopefully, right? What does Jesus do in that part? That's why it's so problematic. But the bigger problem is that it is an absolute ignorance of what the gospel actually is, of what the scriptures are actually teaching us. We're going to look today at at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorite and really a foundational passage for the history of our church. We're going to start in verse 17, a very familiar passage here. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. I love this translation. A lot of our English translations say, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation, which is true, but it's very individualistic. And it's not wrong. It's just not the whole story because the scope of the gospel extends just beyond you and me. It says here, if anyone's in Christ, something bigger has happened. New creation has arrived not just in you, but in all things. As we continue reading, we see this. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I hope you don't miss this, my friends. In the cross of Christ, God is reconciling. It says here, the world, all of creation, back to himself. Sit with that for a second. Later on, just in case you think I'm taking one verse here, later on, Colossians 1, 19 and 20, Paul says this. He gives the same promise. He says, for God was pleased, speaking of Jesus, to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself, what? All things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The problem in our churches most of the time is not that we believe the wrong gospel. We believe the right gospel. It's just way too small. It's just one little bitty part of it. When the scope of our redemption, when the hope of our salvation is cosmic in its scope, is so big, Jesus promises at the very end of the Scriptures, he says, I'm making everything new. He doesn't just say, I'm making your soul new for the afterlife. He's saying, I'm taking all of these things and restoring them back to me by the cross. I love this about the cross of Jesus, that it's not just a mechanism to get me into heaven. The cross is the turning point of creation. The cross is the turning point of history where God begins to reconcile all things to himself in Jesus. That's the gospel. And you know what all things means? All things means you and me. We get caught up in God's glorious and big gospel, saving and redeeming and restoring us. It's not just you and me, but it is you and me, a part of something far, far bigger. That's good news to me. Is that good news to you today? That the gospel is bigger than just getting me fire insurance for my afterlife. 
that God desires to reconcile all things to himself. What good news. So in Christ now, we have this promise that we see here on the screen. God is a God of reconciliation. And we are moving towards wholeness, not just in ourselves, but God in his promise in the scriptures is bringing about wholeness in the world we inhabit. And so as we take hold of this gospel, the big gospel, the gospel that's not just you and me, but the gospel of all creation being renewed in Christ, Paul continues and gives us our role in this. He says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Hold on to that word. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is sent out as a representative of a people to which they do not belong. They have been entrusted with the authority and the voice to act and speak on behalf of the king or the ruler or the president, not apart from him, but with their authority. I hope you are getting what is being said here. You do not belong to this world, right? But you have been sent to this world undeniably, as an ambassador, unlike the kingdoms of this world, you're an ambassador of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what Hebrews 13 tells us, that we are eternally and fully a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Every other kingdom, as we see on our TV screens every single day, is shaking. But we sit here today, and these ordinary folding chairs and these bright lights remembering in the bread and the cup, remembering in the conversations that what we do and gather around here cannot be shaken. And it's why I love to gather for worship. Even when I don't feel like it, even when I feel like my life is falling apart or I'm struggling with things, with things like when I come here, I remember even in what I do not feel, that there is something that can't be shaken in a world that is constantly shaking. And I need that. And I think, I think you do too. So as ambassadors, we're being sent out as a part of a kingdom in this world that is not like the kingdoms of this world. Because the God who is sending you and I as ambassadors is called in the Scriptures the Prince of Peace, we're not sent like other people. We're not sent like other ambassadors. We are not sent by God as adversaries. We are sent as ambassadors. We, as we have often heard, we're not in the, we're in the world, but we're not of it. How many people have heard that before? We're in the world, but we're not of it. It's right. Like, we are. We're in the world, and we are not of the world. But guess what? We are, by the Scriptures promise, we are for it. We are not in the world, we're in the world, we're not of it, but we have been called to be for it. Not as adversaries against the world, but as ambassadors of the kingdom we are. This is so important in this time that we have not been sent out as ambassadors of the kingdom to make more enemies, to put up more walls, to stay away from those kind of people. 
If that's your posture, what kind of church that creates is one where you come here to escape having to be around all those evil people. I learned one time from a professor as I was listening to a lecture about theology that in the early 20th century, churches began to build their, their, their buildings. Often, if you've probably been in a church building like this, it looks like almost like an upside-down boat, right? You ever been in one like that? It's kind of got the big rafters that go up. And there was a theological reason behind that, that we are in this boat away from that evil world, floating on to heaven when we die. The very architecture spoke to this this gospel of separation, this gospel of adversarial life that called us out of the world to be against it. But we have been called out, yes, set apart, but set apart to be for the world and not against it. Not to create a Christianity that is not Christ-like. Do you know the difference? Just because it's called Christian doesn't mean it's Christ-like. We're not just seeking things that are labeled Christian. We're not just seeking a Christian world. We want a Christ-like world, a Christ-like church, a Christ-like people. Lots of stuff is called Christian that is in no way Christ-like. And what happens is, is it produces a people that are known more by what they're against than by what they're for. We are not adversaries. We are ambassadors. We do not preach a gospel of retribution, we preach a gospel of reconciliation. Our message to the world is an invitation, it is not a condemnation. And, and this is really, I think, of the heart of how we're shaped as a church. As ambassadors, what we're doing here every week is, is, is recognizing that this, this, this right here, this, this is church, but it's not church because it's in this room, it's church because we are gathered here as the church. We don't gather here because God is magically in this room in a way he's not in your living room or in your bathroom. We're gathered here because God has already inhabited and sent his people as ambassadors. You're reminded throughout the New Testament that God does not fill rooms. He fills people. And so what makes God present in this room is, is, is not the building, is not the song, is not these things. God inhabits his people. God is filling up his people. We see it here in Scripture. It says, don't, don't you know that you yourselves, speaking of us, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Do you not know, again, it says later on, same, same book, it says, do not know that your, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. God, thank goodness, doesn't show up. God is already present and at work. God is inhabiting not just the praises of his people. God inhabits his people, and that's way better news. So because we believe as ambassadors that we are inhabited by the presence of God within us, we gather here on Sundays not because this is the magic room because we need to remember together that we have been sent into something bigger than ourselves. We need to be called out of our own stories into the big story of the gospel that we see. And so I know for a lot of us, this ambassador language may feel heavy or intimidating because you don't feel like confident in how you are a follower of Jesus in the world, maybe in your job. You don't feel like, or maybe you've understood being a Christian in your workplace or your school as sort of 
an adversarial or even confrontational person. I understand that. And a lot of this comes from where we are recovering, many of us, from exhaustion. We're unlearning these, the, the pace and the patterns of, of American exceptionalism, how we are always supposed to be going and going and going. We're unlearning a lot of a spiritual exhaustion and spiritual trauma and visions of the Christian faith that, that, that have presupposed that God is absent and that we have to do something to get this angry God to show up. But that's good news for us because we have to unlearn those things to relearn the good news of what God has called us to be as a people. We're already sent by God where we are. You do not have to leave your ordinary world. You do not have to leave your world because God's already sent you. You're already where you're supposed to be. And the work you have and the job you have and the school that you are in, you don't have to do anything special but be present to the God who's already present to you right where you are. I hope you know that the mission of Jesus in your life does not take you out of your life. It takes you more fully into it. It takes you more deeply into what he is doing in and through you. You are already where you are supposed to be. And what this creates here on the screen is, is what we are, I believe, called to be as a church community. We're together as ambassadors, empowered by the Holy Spirit right where we are, at the soccer field, at the corner bar, salsa dancing. God is already present and at work where you are. And so, because of this, stay with me here. Like, if we're simply thinking about getting people into heaven, then why did Jesus teach us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? The mission is not just to get people to the afterlife, not just to get people to heaven, it's to get heaven into people, it's to get heaven into where we are among us. I love N.T. Wright. He writes these words that I think just a bomb in the midst of this false gospel we often believe. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. So, it's not just individual souls going to heaven when we die. We want to see the wholeness of God in this world where we are. Do I want to see my neighbors know and love Jesus? Yes. I also want to see those neighbors thrive and have the resources they need. Because the gospel says that God's reconciling all things to himself. I don't just care about their soul. I care about their well-being. I care about their wholeness and their thriving in their actual lives. And so I am a part, as the church, I am a part of not just caring about where they go in the afterlife. I'm a part of caring about how well they can thrive right here and now in this life. Not just you and me in this room. I care about their wholeness out there because God is reconciling all things to himself and Jesus. And that last little language there, he uses Paul in verse 20. He says, God's making his appeal through us. Whew. God is making his appeal through us, through you and through me. And I think the primary way that happens is not by you memorizing all the right things to say, where you go, in your job, 
in your school. I think it's by learning to live an ordinary life of faithfulness and trusting what the Scripture says. Is all be, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. First Peter 3 says that. First Peter says that believing that your life is hopeful enough for people to notice, that your life is hopeful enough in its ordinary faithfulness that you don't even have to say the words that people notice. Something's different about these people in a hopeless world. Why are you so hopeful? First Peter tells us, be ready because people are going to notice that you got hope that doesn't happen anywhere else. Be ready to give an answer for that. It is ordinary life where you can make that appeal for reconciliation where you are. So our job is this, as we bring this to a close, is to discern where God is at work in and around you, and then join Him. Discern where God is at work, not only in your own heart and story, but where is God at work around you in your neighborhood, in your relationships, And when you see that, as you discern that, trust that he's already working and we just join him. To close, how do we discern that God's at work among us? How do we learn to do that? Well, we do that by being with Jesus. This brings us full circle to where we begin in this series. Where do we begin? Discipleship begins with being with Jesus. And as we learn to be with Jesus, you know what we do? We learn to see what's in our heart. We learn to be called to repentance and unlearning and relearning. We learn to be called out of isolation and into community. We learn to be brought into this calling to be restored where we are. We learn to see Jesus at work in the ordinary places. And as we need that discernment again, we go back to the source himself who is risen and reigning and walking with us and already working right where you are. What a relief that I don't got to bring God places where he's not. But he's already here. We spent these last five weeks in a vision series and I have yet to even talk about our mission statement. So why don't here in the last two minutes I share our mission statement because now hopefully it makes sense. This is what we have said from the very beginning, that we believe that Jesus is restoring people who restore the world. And our mission, our mission is to join him. This mission statement starts not with us. It starts with the work of Jesus. It starts with what he's doing. If it starts with us, it fails. If it starts with us, we get worn down and weary. But I run to the one who's already restoring in me, in you, and in our world. So we're a community that is learning to, to be with Jesus, learning to be changed by him. And out of what he's changing in you and I, we have something to offer the world. We have a restoration that flows out of us and brings something new in and through our lives and our stories. So as the band comes up, I just want to encourage you in this time just to rest in that promise today. You've been caught up in this big, beautiful gospel of reconciliation. 
And God is already present here today, already at work. And when you wake up tomorrow morning and begin your week, when you walk back into reality, God is just as present and just as at work. So Holy Spirit, I want to pray tonight, this morning, that I want to pray that we would learn to trust that. We're sitting in a room of missionaries. Not called out as adversaries. Not called out as better. But called out to be like the one we follow. So may you form a Jesus-shaped people. May you call us to a deep, an abiding presence with you. May you help us, Jesus, to see the condition of our heart, not from shame, but from invitation. And may we bring our whole selves to you. Jesus, may you call us out of isolation and into relationship and belonging. And Jesus, finally, may you give us the courage to discern where you're already at work in and around us and join you. We respond to you in this time as you speak, as you call forth what you're doing by your spirit. Help us to live into that in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going into a time of response now. Every week we take these elements remembering that God has reconciled us to himself. These juice representing Jesus' blood shed for our sins, the cracker representing his body. The very end of that passage I used today, 2 Corinthians 5, last verse in it, verse 21 says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. That word righteousness can also be translated as justice. What it is talking about is the wholeness that God is bringing. God on the cross took on our sin, that we might not just be whole, but be a part of bringing wholeness in this world. So would you take these elements today, do so remembering you've been called forth as ambassadors where we are. We're going to have be over here for prayer too. I'll be over here. Robin will be over here. If you need prayer about anything that's going on in your life, and take the next step in following Jesus. We would encourage you to do that. Let's uh, listen and pray together.